I'm Steve Fisher. In the beginning, beginning of civilization that is, humans didn't have to work too hard to stay fit. Their chores and lifestyle did it for them. Since the dawn of industrialization, we've been finding ways to decrease our activity. And the digital age has made us downright sedentary, meaning we have to work at staying fit. Canadian fitness expert Mike Kelly is more than a trainer. He's a fitness philosopher. But really the turning point of the epiphany was after many years of training people from world class to mom and pop, it dawned on me. No matter how much I would train people or other trainers that I trained to training people would get people to reach their goals, ultimately, at some point in time, many of them would fall off that health and fitness wagon that they worked so hard to get on in the first place. And it's not easy. Being human is extremely difficult. But, you know, I had to find out why that was because I found it difficult for myself. And I'll jump in a second. I hate doing exercise. Mike's here to offer up some mean fitness on Life Slices. Welcome, Mike Kelly, to the Life Slices podcast. We're going to start with a question that we ask all our guests. Well, we don't ask all our guests this specific question, but we start out the same way. Who is Mike Kelly? Oh, these philosophical things. I'm just another human trying to deal with the challenges of life. And as part of that, the aging process, as I'm now a senior citizen. Oh, you don't look it. So you're you're 12 steps 60, ahead of everybody else. 65 and a bit. Yeah, 65. there you go. Yeah. There, there you so go. I guess more specifically, I've been involved in sports and fitness for over 45 years now, which sort of qualifies the senior statement. You know, during that time, I've been had a number of roles, personal trainer, which I still am. I run a studio gym, although granted, I'm doing virtually all of it virtually now. I've been a strength and conditioning coach at the varsity level, a fitness expert witness for the legal profession on occasion. And for over 20 years, I've been training and certifying personal trainers as a pro trainer for Canada's largest fitness organization called CanFit Pro. I'm a contractor to them. You know, through the last 20 years or so of doing that, I've developed a catchphrase, and that catchphrase is, Challenge the body or it will challenge you. I'm going through that myself right now. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a few shining examples out there. Uh, some have recently passed away, like Jack LaLanne, who you might know the name, mm-hmm. godfather of the fitness industries. And he was literally, as per his wife, saying that he was still doing his push-ups a week before he passed away at 96. So now that's an anomaly. But the reality is it's, it's something to target at. There was nothing genetically special about him. So it's it's possible, but it's it, knowledge is everything. Knowledge is powerful, in you know when you've got that knowledge, and that's what I'm all about from uh, trying to get people to move differently. So were you always fit? No, no, I was not. I was always active, but probably to to try and play sports, I thought I'd play baseball. I got as far as provincial fastball here in Canada. Uh, I started into tennis, reached the varsity level, found out it was no good after that. But I can put on weight just as easily as anybody else. There's a lot of science and there's things that people will say, but ultimately it literally does come down to calories in versus calories out. Now it's very complex in the middle. There's a lot of things going on from genetics, systemics, trauma, socioeconomic aspects. There's a lot of variables in there. But at the end of the day, it's calories in, calories out. And with the human body, it needs to be challenged. 
if it doesn't, like everywhere, like there's all types of tissues in the body, including bone. And if you don't load those tissues up and challenge them, they'll atrophy or they'll start to, in the case of bone, leach and osteoporosis and so on. So the reality is you need to find a way to do it. What is the biggest mistake that most people make when trying to get fit? Well, I, okay, I'll start a little high level. Humans are inherently selfish. Now, you can be altruistic and want to help people and so on, but inerrant, inevitably, we do things that make us feel good. The late Mother Teresa's helped the down and out in India because it made her feel good. For myself, I feel good by helping people reach goals, get healthier, get fitter. Now, I suppose there are ulterior motives to that, such as our, our taxation system is just being overwhelmed with healthcare costs to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And the big reason for that is that most of our healthcare and throughout North America, it's reactive. It's not proactive. They call it a healthcare system, but it really isn't. It's a sick care system. You only go to a doctor, you know, typically excluding the generic follow-ups you do every so often, but you go to a hospital or whatnot because you're not doing well. It's a sick care system. And sadly, a lot of people fall into the trap whereby they blindly think government is going to be there for them in their old age. Government can't look after itself. How are they going to look after you? Then they fall back to pharmaceuticals. Well, pharmaceuticals will save us with the magic panacea pill and so on. No, it's not going to work. You know, there's an ulterior motive there from a money perspective, if nothing else. And secondly, pharmaceuticals are very, very poor at being specific. Their, their shotgun effects at doing things from both physical, you know, physiological to mental aspects. You know, for myself, but really the turning point of the epiphany was uh, after many years of training people from world class to mom and pop, it dawned on me. No matter how much I would train people or other trainers that I trained training people would get people to reach their goals, ultimately, at some point in time, many of them would fall off that health and fitness wagon that they worked so hard to get on in the first place. And it's not easy. Being human is extremely difficult. But, you know, I had to find out why that was because I found it difficult for myself. And I'll jump in a second. I hate doing exercise. I hate it. <laughs> I've had now people chuckle every client I've ever had, and I've told them that they've, they've had the same chuckle. And then they get uh, rhetorical and cynical and so on. But the reality is, I hate it because I really understand it. Um, you know, most people just don't understand what exercise is. Not very, very quick example. If you go into a gym and you see someone seated at a recumbent bicycle, that's where you sit back in a chair and you're right. almost in a, a lounge chair and you're pedaling. Mm -hmm. And you're pedaling at 5 RPM, like very slowly. At the same time, you're reading a book, you're watching the TVs on the screen, you're talking to people, you're socializing. Unless you're just out of cardiac rehab or surgical rehab from bone injuries or whatnot, you're not exercising. That's not exercise because it doesn't meet the criteria of, quote unquote, exertion, mm. a measurable exertion level in the body. That's what exercise is. Um. So to find out more about this, uh, at my tender age, I was somewhere in my late 50s, um, no, 59, I guess, I went back to school. <laughs> and in flash forward, in April 2020, I became Queen's University's oldest psychology graduate um, <laughs> in that period of time. And it was from there that you know I had all of these. I learned, I thought I'd learned a lot about my clients and helping them more, but frankly, I learned a lot more about myself. But in what I did learn about the human mindset was that um, it's not the physical stuff 
that we're challenged with. It's the brain challenging us to not do anything. Now, that may sound counterintuitive, but you have to understand that from a very ancient perspective, the brain is extremely protective of calories, meaning energy that we bring in through macronutrients into our body. Mm -hmm. Uh, As another quick reference, the brain at just 1.2 kilos in the average adult consumes approximately 20% of all the calories you eat in a day. Like, wow, like that's a lot of energy. You know, a calorie being a unit of heat measurement. Yes. The brain is always active, even during your sleep. And, you know, when you look at it and understand it better, you can appreciate why it's so hungry for calories. And again, if you go back from an ancient perspective, when there were things like famine, uh, you know, we didn't know when we get our next meal if we did it all, mm-hmm. let alone being eaten by something ourselves. Uh, the brain became very adept at controlling how calories that are finally found and brought into our body are utilized. And we call that our basal metabolic rate as as one example. There's several, but that's an easy one to understand. And that's the the base amount of energy required for the body just to lie still for 24 hours. So if you really think about it, um, exercise does exactly what the brain wants to do. Exercise burns calories. The brain saying, well, wait a second, I don't want to burn any calories. Now, before I jump into this a little more, I'm going to ask you a question. You'll recall, because I, I listened to a bunch of your podcasts, all great. Thank you. Uh, you were talking to uh, the, the shark whisperer at some point. Right? Yes. Uh, yes. Is her name Chris, Christina? The, or the shark listener. She was the a shark, shark listener. listener. Yes. Christina well, Zanotto. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, have you since that chat? jumped in the ocean and swam with sharks? No. No. Now, the second question is this. Have you ever tried to change someone's opinion of something or change their beliefs that were different than yours? I I live in America. We're always talking politics. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Now, the reality is we live in a world of sound bites. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. These are the worst places to debate something. The worst places. Because you don't have... You don't have direct interaction with people typically, mm-hmm. and you don't have you don't have time to provide context. So the reason you probably weren't successful when you're trying to change someone's opinion is because of cognitive biases that we develop in our brains over many years in most cases, especially for adults. And the older you get, the more challenging it gets. Mm-hmm. You need to provide context, credible context, preferably empirical as opposed to anecdotal. Uh, I mean, let me tell you, Steve, my late mom said, if I stand on my head or your head, you'll promote hair growth. And it doesn't work. Whereas empirical, peer-reviewed, blind studies and so on, multiple times, or even meta-studies, these provide us with context that we can look at and as a, you know, a sane person say, hmm, that differs from my opinion. But listen, I'm looking at all this science and it really makes sense. And over time, you can start to create different biases because i don't know if you know this but you cannot change a habit well you, you can, can you can control a habit you can create a new habit ah you, you cannot change a habit and that's a see part of the problem with i told you i hate doing exercise and i've actually since the psych course for the last almost year and a half 
I've been running a, an accredited course here in Canada and actually worldwide, you can sign up for it. It's called Why I Hate Exercise. It's a psychology course. I'll use the phrase dumbed down to make it palatable for people to, to provide them with the context that they need to understand why it's so hard to be human, let alone a healthy and fit one over a sustainable period of time. So I, I get in, I cover all of the aspects, the major aspects that we as humans have to deal with that prevent us from getting healthy and staying there and, and fit. Fit is even harder. Right. You know, things like so, genetics, stress, and how what how habits work. But um, to give you a quick example, or your listeners an example of what I mean by that, if you've ever learned to ride a bicycle, maybe around the years of five to eight years of age, for example, and you learn to ride it, your brain spent a lot of time figuring out how to move our structure so that we wouldn't fall down on our you-know-whats. Okay. Once it learned that, it was very, very efficient at doing it. So when you got on the bike again at the age of nine, your brain didn't have to refigure things out. It already did it, and it set up the neural connections to do that. Well, if you stopped riding a bike for 60 or 50 years, for whatever reasons, and then when you're 70 years of age, you're physically able to, you get back on the bike, you'll still be able to ride it. Mm -hmm. okay? That's based on the fact that the neural connections set up originally, it's called myelination, were very, very strong. When we create biases and so on, cognitive biases such as dissonance, and et cetera, they're very, very strong. And the longer we spend thinking that way, the harder they are to break. So a lot of people are under this presumption based on social pressure, peer pressure, and so on, that exercise is fun. It's yeah. bull crap. It's not fun. No. And if you go into it with that impression, your brain is going to get a shell shock. So, you know, there's a lot of trends in the fitness industry. And this is sort of answering your first question. How do you get people to do exercise? Um, I have some contrarian views in the exercise world. And again, for me to properly uh, dispel any thoughts that people have negatively about what I have to say, I need context. It's a two-day course. Mm -hmm. So at the start of the course, people, I ask them, I ask them a bunch of things. And one of them is, do you love doing exercise? They all say yes. They feel like they're almost pressured to do so because I'm on the other end of the phone. At the end of the course, guess what? <laughs> they don't because they, they understand it. And once you understand a problem, and this goes with anything in life, once you understand a problem better, you can deal with it better. If you don't understand something, how can you expect to deal with it? And, you know, there is a big problem out there. It affects over a billion people worldwide. It's insidious. It very slowly sucks the life quality out of people. In addition to taking 10 to 15 years of longevity away from their lives. Of well, course, I'm talking about obesity. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me, so, so speaking towards that, talking about the whole lifelong fitness aspect, at what age should you start training your child to be fit to, or to do exercise or whatever, just to get out and physically play, especially in an environment where we've got devices all around us to entertain us without having to sure. do anything? Yeah. I don't want to sound uh, strange, but literally in the womb. Hmm. Because the biggest time of learning process is in the womb. We are, we are born, they say, with all the brain cells you're ever going to have. And through a process called apoptosis, 
we start to lose through a planned, you know, killing off of cells, such as, you know, we used to have webbed fingers, but through apoptosis, the material in between our fingers goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a healthy process of, of apoptosis of cell reduction and so on. But, um, you know, we're listening. We're listening to things. So you want positivity. So I, I'm being a little facetious, but you want positivity. So when that child comes out, number one, preferably it'll be uh, a normal birth process as opposed to cesarean. Because what I'm getting at, Steve, is the concept of how we cope with stress. There is literally science there that shows those that are born cesarean do not cope as well in life with stress as those born through the normal birth canal channel. Think about it. You're being squeezed out of this. Like, if that isn't physically stressful, I don't know what is. right? Right, right. So that's your first introduction to the stress of life. And, you know, when you pop out, the stresses only continue. And of course, the, the problem that most people have, and, and the best ways to prove this stuff through science is looking at monozygotic twin studies for how individuals cope with stress from a disorder perspective. There's over 150 disorders in the uh, Diagnostic Statistical Version 5 Manual of Psychology. Trust me, it's not getting any easier. COVID has made it so much worse. The stats right now are mind-boggling from an o- overweight obesity perspective. And I do have some good news in a, in a moment. I'll tell you this. But in addition to that, mental issues now are, it's hard being, staying quote unquote normal these days. So I want to come back to something. I don't want people to think I, I don't do exercise because I do it. I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very fit. I'm, if, if I can give you a reference point, at my age, a senior citizen, I'm in the 95th percentile for 18-year-olds. Now that means two things. I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do, but it's mostly neuromuscular. So I, I do things that I give to athletes that they can't do. Like what? Uh, I can't, I don't know if you can see me here. I could do a full body lift push up in the air on my fists. Whole body comes off the air. And again, things like most of the things I do are body weight. So that's something I'm a big proponent of in the proper progression. Because if you, if I were to show you that now and ask you to do it, you would break your wrists, let alone probably bang your head on the ground. So as a good trainer wouldn't have you do that. I'd have you literally show me on the wall to do a vertical horizontal push-up with five-degree angle and see if you could even handle that. Of course, you could, and you'd move on progress from there. The body's very adaptable if you use progressive overload in a safe way. So one of the trends that still exists in the industry to this day that drives me up the wall is called no pain, no gain. Have you ever heard it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Listen, unless you're a Marine... I met a bunch of Marines. I was a trainer at the U.S. Embassy here in Ottawa, Canada for seven years. So I met a lot of these guys and girls. You know, they may be captured and tortured during warfare. So that's how they train. No pain, no gain. Maybe an elite athlete who's trying to reach the pinnacle or epitome of their abilities, they train that way. And yes, you do get results, but there are negatives to it. The body's signal to tell you you're doing something wrong or you're not ready is pain. Sadly, far too many people use this concept that if you know anybody that's a runner in their 40s and upwards, right. most, of, most people run injured. Why? Because the old addict is that, listen, get through the first 10 minutes. Get through that. You'll be okay. You'll get some endorphins. I could talk for a long time on that. That's, that's, that's bull crap. The whole no pain, no gain would certainly indicate that senior citizens 
are the most fit because we're in pain every day from the time we get up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, one would think. I've got okay, so I've got osteoarthritis. In the morning, I can't close my hands. It's sore. Now that being said, I've got two choices. They don't have a cure for osteoarthritis, so I can either succumb to it and let my hands get all gnarly. Your listeners can't see that as I demonstrate it. Or I can understand that I've got 27 muscles in my hand, each hand, and my feet, by the way. I can. When's the last time you had a specific workout, Steve, with your feet or your hands? I mean repetitions and sets. Just focused on your hands and your feet. No, I can't. I can't. Yeah, most most yeah. people will tell you no, unless they've been talking to someone like me. I do have those little grips that I sit while watching TV. and, and Well, if them. you're religious with how you use them, because very small muscles, the good news is very small muscles you can make strong pretty quickly. But on the downside, very small muscles atrophy very quickly, meaning they give up their, their ability that you put so much effort into in the first place. Unlike large muscles, like in your thighs or your, your derriere, your butt end, they're very hard to get strong, but because they're so big, they will last longer without you having to work them every day. But again, no pain, no gain. I like to say it's for uh, morons and Marines. <laughs> I don't use it myself. Yeah. I prefer this as a contrarian view. No strain, no gain. You do need to challenge the body tissues, but you need to challenge them in a way that's not going to actually set you back. So this presents a problem for most people because we're human. Coming back to one of your first questions. One of the biggest problems we have is the brain wants instant gratification. You do not, cannot get instant gratification from exercise. Now, I would need time to explain this to people who are on the other end of your listening audience now saying, Oh, this guy's nuts. I love doing exercise. I feel great. No, you don't. You you like the aspects of after the exercise. Now, by the way, I'm, I'm talking if you're not having any disorders, because there are disorders out there that would change what I'm saying. But for the majority of individuals who are, are healthy mentally, physically, you like the socialization of running with people or a bike group or in a spin session, an aerobics class. You like the heavy bass music you're listening to. You like the ability that it allows you to eat the foods you like because you can keep your weight down in the size. You like the fact that you can ward off osteoporosis, male or female, mostly in females, but also in men, by doing exercise. Okay, You like the stress relief aspects of exercise. But the actual act of exercise, if you look at the true definition, look it up. I think it's in Webster's Dictionary. Exertion. You need to exert yourself. So if, if I had a grip in my hand now, Steve, and I'm saying my hands are working now, okay, the osteo isn't getting me. But if I continue this long enough, it'll start to get more challenging. That's the exertion. So the first repetitions, that's not exercise. There's no exertion. Isn't that relative? Because for some people and a lot of people I know at my age, exertion is getting out of bed in the morning. And exactly. And exactly. And that's why I'm going to answer your first question. What kind of exercise should people do? Two things. People ask me, what muscles should you work? My answer is always the same. Work the weakest ones. Don't work your gluteus maximus. Don't work your rectus femoris, et cetera. I know the anatomy fairly well. I teach it. I certify people. The personal trainers around this area and even abroad now because of Zoom, I've, I've trained a lot of them, thousands of them. The, the reality is, though, that you have to keep in mind that the body's very dynamic always changing. 
-hmm. There's no real rest period for the body. It's always changing. So when you're trying to focus on something, focus on what it is that pertains to you that you need to do. So what do I mean by that? If you're a house painter, okay, what muscles would likely be your weakest muscles that you need to make sure work really well? Not your legs so much. It's your upper trapezius muscles, your, your rotator cuff inside your shoulder, your deltoids around your shoulder, your hand grip. You need to make sure that they're strong. For your job, for what you do, they would be your weakest links. If you're just a, a general average individual and you're 80 years old, what are you going to be your weakest muscles? Probably your glutes. Okay? Your, your audience can't see me right now, but I'm going to draw an image on the screen for you. If you look at a fit 21-year-old male or an 18-year-old female, the, the peak of their abilities, okay? Here's what you'll, you'll look like if I draw a vertical line from a side profile. So the out, you saw the glutes, the big, very big promoter, junk in the trunk. What's a senior citizen look like? They look like this, just a straight vertical line. I, I tell people, in fact, people listening can try this little test at home. Get up out of your chair, put your hand firmly on your, your buttocks, one of your cheeks, your right or your left. Push your fingers into them. And now start just walking. You're going to feel, hopefully, some contraction of muscle when you move, when you mostly go into hip extension. The reality is that muscle is required to move when you do a lot of things like getting out of a chair, climbing stairs, walking, running, etc. Well, imagine, if you will, if that muscle atrophies and you can't really see it you're not going to be able to get out of a chair easily. One of the first things I mentioned earlier on was that we slowly start to succumb to age and excess weight and so on. It's not because we want to. It's because we don't, we're ignorant. We're ignorant of what we should be doing to, to keep things in a positive direction. Let me speed you up a little bit because we're almost out of time. What should you do? If you don't have a full home gym or access to a gym, what should you do for the very basics to keep yourself fit? You actually answered it already. You have trouble getting out of a chair. That's your starting point. So what people should do, we call it homeostasis, meaning the body, the slash brains, what we think we can do right now without too much effort. What I tell people to do is target maybe 1% to 2% in excess of what you're normally capable of doing. So if you can get out of a chair three times and then you need to use your arms to push yourself out of the chair, have someone pull you up, that's your baseline. For the next two weeks, target getting out of the chair three times. Two weeks after that, assuming you're sleeping well, nutrition is proper, hydration is good, you need those elements also. The next, the third week, target three and a half. It sounds insidiously slow and it is. But that's the thing. You have to do things progressively, slowly, so you don't hurt yourself and let alone tell the brain that you're overly pushing things. And then it'll start to change how we start burning calories. That's why diets don't work. The majority of, majority of diets don't work. And I, I have a whole section of the course. People can see it at my company. We mean fitness. Sounds like we mean business. It's we mean fitness.com. Now, the reality is you can attach that to any level of ability. So if you're an athlete, what are you looking to improve upon? Maybe 1% in your abilities. Like top world-class athletes, they're not a whole lot different than each other. Well, most of it is a neural ability. So when we're looking to train with them, if we're looking to increase vertical leap with someone, we're not looking to increase it by a foot. We're looking to increase it by a centimeter or two. So they're a centimeter or two above whoever else they're jumping with. 
if you run around the block, let's say you walk around the block and it takes 25 minutes. That's a slow block for a one kilometer block, 0.6 a mile. Do that for two weeks. Make sure you're not hurting yourself. And then in the third week, knock off five or 10 seconds of that. Your brain will not be phased in the least, but it will add extra challenge to the body that over time, another two weeks, you will see improvements and gains. And that's slowly, steadily going to improve your abilities. Is there anything you would recommend to people if they do want to put together a home gym? What kind of equipment you should get to have without a huge expense having a decent setup? Well, because the brain hates exercise, number one, you need something to keep you occupied, such as a good video to watch. I, I love watching the Eagles down under tour in Australia. That keeps me going when I'm rowing. So good music, whatever. But you don't need a whole lot. Use your body weight within your abilities. Now, you're going to get on the internet, find out how exercise is properly done. Don't try and do a bunch of crunches or sit-ups or pull-ups on some bar. You're going to hurt yourself. Work, first of all, within your ability. See what your baseline is over a period of two weeks. And then slowly progress on what your abilities are to add a little bit of challenge. Remember, no strain, no gain. If you have no strain whatsoever, no exertion whatsoever, you, your body will not change from a positive perspective. Okay, Mike, we are out of time. We could probably do this again and would get love to. a lot more. I really appreciate your being here, and I urge everyone to start straining. Yeah, I actually, if they want to look on some videos, I have different ideas they can see on Instagram or Facebook, but I'm followed at the Cynical Trainer. Cynical Trainer. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. A pleasure. My thanks to Mike Kelly for sharing some great wisdom and tips to get ourselves in shape. If you've been listening to this episode while working out, you're steps ahead of the rest of us. If not, what are you waiting for? Get that strain on. If you enjoyed this program, share and like Life Slices on social media and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Feslian Studios.